The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. Thank you for joining us today. I'm very glad that you're listening with us. And thank you so much for liking our Spirit of Recovery Facebook page. Thank you for posting on our wall. And uh, thank you for also letting me know via email what's happening for you in your spirituality and recovery walk. Thank you also for letting your friends and the people in your recovery community, your unity community, your other spiritual communities, your friends, your family, everybody know about us here on Spirit of Recovery on UnityOnlineRadio.org. I love hearing from you, and I love knowing that what we're doing here, the guests that I'm bringing, are really making a difference for you, that they're touching your heart, opening your mind, inspiring you, supporting you, giving you great ideas about what is possible in your recovery, what is possible in your life. Every week we talk about topics that are important to the recovery community with guests who are down-to-earth, knowledgeable, and innovative, people who are either in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people, and they're always bringing you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. You know, you can listen to Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can listen live by going uh, certainly via your uh, smart device, via your computer. You can also go to Stitcher.com. You can download their app and search for Spirit of Recovery. You can, uh, if you have an Alexa-enabled device, you can ask Alexa to play Unity Online Radio. You can um, listen on iTunes. You can listen also to our podcast at your own leisure on your own time frame. Listen on demand. Just go to unityonlineradio.org slash program slash spirit of recovery and you will find just a ton of great topics and really great guests because my guests are always people who are for real. So you'll be inspired by them. I want you to know that Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place. If you're a person in recovery from any kind of an addiction or if you're a family member or friend of somebody that's got the disease of addiction or you're just curious about addiction, recovery, you just 
interested in the ideas or you just want to be inspired, whoever you are, you're really welcome here. I'm glad you are participating here uh, with us and listening in to Spirit of Recovery. You are welcome to send in a question or a comment via email or to call that in and uh, my guests can address that for you uh, in, in regards to their topic. I want you to also know that... Uh, Family members have their own recovery process. So if you're a family member or a friend, there's uh, 12-step programs, there's therapies, there's all kind of support for you, books, everything. So um, addiction is a family disease and everybody's affected by it. So um, as family members or friends, you too can have a recovery process. I want you to know also that if you like what you hear here on uh, Unity Online Radio, if you like what you hear on Spirit of Recovery and many other great programs on UnityOnlineRadio.org, you can support it financially if you want to. You can make a one-time contribution or an ongoing contribution. Just text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone and they'll get you hooked up with ways to make a financial um, donation if you would like to do that. Again, my name is Anna Schaus. I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a unity minister and an addictions counselor, and I'm also a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction. 35 years ago, um, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development, and my walk continues to be an integration of unity principles, recovery principles, and that uh, walk keeps transforming my life. It keeps me growing uh, spiritually and and keeps me expanding, and I'm it keeps me in touch with my higher power and and letting that relationship grow. Um, it blesses my life in so many ways. So I am grateful. I'm delighted to have the opportunity to share these ideas with you, and um, to also to hear what you're experiencing yourself in your own spirituality and recovery walk. Today, we are going to be talking about choosing to live a life of joy because, you know, it really is a choice. Um, Even in long-term recovery, you know, stuff happens. Life can throw us some curveballs. So how can we use our spiritual recovery tools, our spiritual principles, our spiritual practices that we learn in recovery and whatever other spiritual uh, groups we we touch into or whatever we do, however we do that, but we can use those spiritual recovery tools to face life with faith and joy. My guest today has been with me before. It's been several years ago, um, but I'm really glad to have him back. My guest is Ray Nelson. Ray is a unity minister, and he's also a person in long-term recovery. And Ray uh, was going to share with us some things today about what's been going on in his world since 2014. In 2014, Ray was diagnosed with end-stage kidney disease. So uh, he's living with a chronic disease, and that can be difficult. But yet, because he practices his spiritual life, he is finding that a full, happy, and joy-filled life is all about making choices. So Ray's going to be sharing with us today how it is that he chooses to see his um, health condition as a gift, as an opportunity to live life to the fullest. And also in that process, what's happening, of course, is because he's a person that loves to be of service. In fact, that's what our topic was when he was on Hero Spirit of Recovery several years ago, was about um, being of service. And he's going to share with us how... Because he's choosing to live with joy, he's really helping other people to do the same. Um, let me tell you a little bit more about Ray. He's a 
2011 graduate of Unity Institute and Seminary, and he is, is an ordained Unity minister. And he is the senior minister of Unity of Louisville, Kentucky. Ray is also a member of the National Speakers Association, and he has uh, blessed Unity churches and community groups throughout the Midwest and the Great Lakes region. He's also an alternate member on the Great Lakes Unity Regional Board, and he's on the board of directors for the House of Ruth, which is a social service agency that serves HIV-AIDS homeless men and women in Louisville, Kentucky. So, Ray, thanks so much for being my guest today. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate appreciate you having me on again. Absolutely. It's really, it's good, good to talk to you. Good to have you on. So, um, yeah. So would you maybe, first of all, just briefly tell us a little bit about, um, your recovery process. You, again, you're a person in long-term recovery. You've really lived and worked these programs a long time. And then just to get a little background on you, and then we'll move into, um, what, how you're working with, um, this health condition. So tell us just a little bit about your background. Interestingly, is a, a health challenge 25 years ago was what got me into recovery to begin with. I was diagnosed with a heart condition, and I had a a very loving that didn't sound very loving at the time. A heart surgeon tell me that um, I, I needed a heart transplant to live, and he doesn't give hearts to drunks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, wow. Which mm-hmm. kind of got my attention, and inter- I, and I didn't need to ha- heart transplant once I removed some of the negative influences in my life, both the the substances, but also changed how I thought about life in general. Um, I, I went on a healing path, and I've been sober now twenty three and a half years. Congratulations! So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, great. All right, so you're. So the idea of having a health challenge is not new to you. No, so, no, and, it, and, mm-hmm. it, and both being both the having a health challenge and using using my my health issues as a vehicle to teach others um, both both the addiction and the health concerns um, as a lesson in how not to allow circumstances and conditions to dictate how you behave and how you how you handle life. Um, and which, which is really fundamental to the unity, unity principles. It's, uh, you know, our, our, our prayer method of denials and affirmations taught me years ago that I can have a conditions, I can have circumstances, but they have no power over me. I can choose to be happy. I can choose to be joyful. I can, I can choose to do, to do it differently than what the world might tell me I need to be. So. Right. Yeah, and that's really where the power is 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 as you're saying is within ourselves and and how we're going to deal with, you know, things happen. So, um go ahead. So, we'll, we'll tell us about so in 2014 something happened. You got a diagnosis. Well, what what happened? So, I was new to new new to Kentucky and they uh, kept and I was starting to feel a little poorly in the middle of the summer and everybody just told me it was Ohio River Valley crud. It's <laughs> there are more um uh, allergies in the Ohio River Valley than any place else in the country. So everybody just said, Oh, you're just feeling down because you've probably got Ohio River Valley allergies. Well I'm not gonna let an allergy stop me. And um but I finally ended up getting into a doctor to find out what was going on and 
Um, the next day, they thought they thought I might have an infection, so they gave me a Z pack of antibiotics. And the next day, my wife showed up at the church while I was teaching a class and said, "You need to be in the hospital yesterday." And mm. she drove me over to the hospital. The the cardi the the um, person in the emergency room, the doctor in the emergency room said I was the the only person he had ever seen with the blood workup that I have that was still conscious. <laughs> and funny, <laughs> and interestingly, okay. he said, not only are you conscious and walking around, you're actually kind of funny because I kept making jokes about the whole thing. And they put me immediately into uh, dialysis. And uh, that started a... It, for a few days there, I, it was a little touch and go. We weren't sure if I was actually going to make it, and I wasn't sure I even wanted to because so, I felt so poor. But um, once I got on the other side of it and, and did start changing my mind about it, so one of the first things I did was I made a choice of I didn't let people into my room who were going to see me as a victim. I only allowed people in who saw me as different than I could see myself. And I called our mutual friend, Reverend Pat, um, mm-hmm. my, my friend, Reverend Pat Williamson up in Minnesota. And cause I knew he would see me beyond my conditions and hold and just hold that place for me to heal. Right. Tell us a little bit more about, um, so how, what, how do you know that somebody's seeing you as a victim rather than seeing, um, seeing beyond that? What are some of the earmarks? Some of it is about the language they use, the, oh, poor, poor, oh, we're so sorry, you know, and they get that sad look in their eye. And even if they're praying, their prayers seem to be more about talking about the condition rather than the truth of who I am. And just, you you can, you can, it's funny, you can just feel the sympathy. And mm-hmm. the last thing I needed was anybody feeling sorry for me. It, it's one thing for, you know, the difference between empathy, whereas they're, 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 they're trying to see from my point of view, and another one just feeling sorry for me. And they, they'd get those sad puppy dog eyes. And, and, you know, I was doing enough of that to myself. I didn't need any help with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How did you keep them out? You said you I wouldn't let him in Robin, the room. <laughs> I just told Robin, nobody in. Uh-huh. Nobody in. And so a couple people didn't listen. We actually put, well, I had the nurse put a note on the door, no visitors. Um, a couple people just were bound and determined that they didn't care whether or not I wanted visitors or not. They were going to come in anyhow. And it was okay because they, they were few enough and far enough between that I could that that I could monitor myself, that I could uh, basically ignore what they were saying and just say it was nice that they, they cared enough to come. Um, and then and then we allowed a few people. My my associate minister Valerie, she came in, and a, and a couple people who I who I trusted. You know, when you're when especially in your in that first stages of any any traumatic experience like that, it's really it's important. At least it was important to me to really be protective of your space and who you allow in your space because it's so easy to be pulled off track. And I really needed to put all my energy into seeing myself differently. And it and it took about four four days before I was able to do it. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. I'm going to 
ask you a question, then we're going to kind of come back to this. But I think that all of us, you know, when, when we have kind of thinking about the people, you know, that care about you and the and the people that uh, want to wanted to be of help to you. But as you're saying, like all of us, sometimes we get we get into this attitude of feeling sorry for somebody or mm-hmm. that or that kind of sticky sympathy or whatever. And I think we're trying to care, but it's not. It's we're coming from not a place that's not helpful. So yeah. give us some tips. What can we do when we're approaching somebody who is having a physical health challenge or any kind of challenges, and be helpful to them? What is it without being the sticky, icky stuff? Well, you know, and, and it, I'm going to tell a little story because I'm going to acknowledge the fact that it's difficult when the person is close to you. Our 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 maintenance man janitor here ended up in the hospital in October, and he was he had actually had six five of the six main organs had shut down on him. The only thing that was working was his heart, and he was on all sorts of machines and respirators. And I walked in, and I had a difficult time seeing beyond the conditions. I had to mm-hmm. consciously work. I had to consciously say. He is not this. He is more than this. So one of the things to do is to prepare yourself ahead of time. To Because I went in kind of like, well, I've done this a hundred times. I've been in thousands of hospital rooms kind of thing. And because he's, we work so closely together, I lost sight of it. And I, and I could feel it for just a brief moment, and I had to switch. So one of the things to do is prepare yourself ahead of time to do the spiritual work to really claim the truth for that person even prior to even seeing what they look like. Um, and, and, and know and also make the choice that if you don't think you can hold that space for them, then don't go there. Do, mm-hmm. do the person a favor. You can hold them from a distance because energetically we're all connected anyhow. And maybe maybe if a person is too close, you have a difficult time, then, then don't go. But um, one of the things I have to do is I have to do my prayer work. I have to do my spiritual work. I have to prepare myself mentally and emotionally beforehand before I walk in that room because otherwise – I'm human. I end up getting caught by the conditions, and I start looking at the facts rather than the truth. Great. Yeah, that's a great story. Tell us a little bit more about what it means to see the truth. So in this situation with this dear man that you work so closely with, what does it mean to walk in and see the truth about him rather than getting caught up in the outer condition facts? Well, you know, in unity, we we know that uh, one of the things we teach on, on a regular basis, it's not one of our principles, but that we're spiritual beings and we're having a human experience. And that human experience can be the full range of everything. And to know that be, beyond that, there is more to this person than the facts that we're seeing. That we know that the person has the divine divine energy of God, spirit, whatever you want to call, moving in and through them and that that healing journey that they're on, whatever it may be, that's already active, already working in that person. And it matters not what the facts are saying. You see beyond the facts to the the spiritual essence of that person who's who's there in front of you. And it, it's easy to say, it's not always easy to do, 
but it's the same process if somebody comes to you and and they're they're in a relationship challenge or they're coming to us and they have that prosperity challenge because maybe they lost their job or all the different ranges it's uh, what I do is I acknowledge what I see and then I immediately do, do the same thing that with the, that I had to do with myself is I am more than this condition. I am far more than, or he is far more than that condition. He is that divine light that is working through this. And now he's back working with us. He's back. Oh, great. Better than, better than ever. So. Yay. Yay. Thank you so much for sharing that um, with us and, and blessings, blessings to him for sure. Yeah. Well, I want to come back to what you were saying earlier. It's related to this, Ray, about, um, needing to guard your own uh, space or really take care of yourself. So now it's kind of asking you to switch around to the other side sure. here as you, the person with the challenge. And um, so tell us some more about how you do that, how you uh, do the self-care, how you protect your own space and how and what's happening for you as you're seeing that spiritual essence in yourself. So it, when I was in the hospital, the first when I first went into the hospital, I was like I said, I was very protective of who I let come in, who I let pray with me, who I let talk to me. Now that I'm a little bit farther along, I'm I don't have to be as protective. What I what I what I'm able to do now is I get to choose whether or not I believe the words that somebody says to me. I don't mm-hmm. just because somebody's talking doesn't mean I have to believe everything they say. I've had I've had literally and this is a, unity ministers who come up to me and say, "Poor Ray, I know you must be suffering." And, just, <laughs> and the words just roll off. I'm like a, a, a what what I tell my I tell Robin, I say, who is my wife? I say, I'm like a duck with the water. It just rolls off my back because it's like they can't even hear me when they when I say, I don't suffer. I have mm. a condition that I deal with. I'm not suffering in that condition. Suffering's a choice. Mm-hmm. I have suffering's a choice to be a victim of it. I don't suffer. Yes, yes, I know. In fact, uh, it was interesting. Robin went up, and I've worked full time ever since I got out of the hospital. They made me take a week off of work, and I've worked full time ever since. I've been in school ever since. I'm on two board of trustees. I don't let anything stop me. And I, when um, Robin went up to Minnesota where we used to live, and everybody in my home church kept saying, well, how's Ray, you know, that soft puppy dog eyes and asking, well, now that he's not able to work. And finally she said, have you ever met my husband? Seriously, (laughs) people, you know, I can't even get him to slow down, let alone stop working, you know. So um, (laughs) somewhat it's, I don't have to believe everything just because they say it. And that's part of my, I choose to hear and own things that align with and I and I don't have to resist. I don't have to make anybody wrong in their in their conversation. I just don't have to believe everything. And so it's one of the one of the one of the key pieces for me is I get to make choices. And one of the key choices is I only believe those things that hold me in the highest regard and and I just set aside everything that holds me small or lower or, or in bondage. 
Mm-hmm. That's powerful. That is a powerful spiritual practice. That's a, a powerful stance, absolutely, for sure. Okay, you said a minute ago about you don't suffer. You said, I've got a condition, but I don't suffer. Right. Unpack that for us. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, so many people want you when you have a chronic condition. They want you, in, you know, I'm, uh, you know, it's I even hear it in the in in the recovery ro- rooms around addiction. The still suffering alcoholic. Well, you know, if you're still an alcoholic, you probably are suffering. But there's no suffering is a choice to see yourself as a victim of the circumstances that you're in. Um, and I don't see myself as suffering from any circumstances I'm in. I can actually probably, if I wanted to think about it, I, I probably, no, I actually did, you know, somewhat around my, my the life I lived and some of the physical characteristics I have. I was born with one kidney, so my kidney had a lot of stress put it on it from my addictions. You know, I created this. I don't suffer from anything. I have I have experiences that I have to deal with, but it's always believed. I've always believed that suffering's a choice. Pain, mm-hmm. you know, grief, loss, uh, you know, anguish. Even even at times when you know, occasionally I'll go into some depression. Those are all experiences I have. Suffering's a choice to see yourself or see myself as somehow victim of the world I live in. Um, what, what did the Buddhists say? That uh, suffering is inevitable through our clinging and our mm-hmm. resistance. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I'm somehow when I'm suffering, I'm telling the universe, I'm telling God, this is all wrong and you should be doing it differently. And that, that just, that lends you, that runs you down a rabbit hole you don't need to go down. So. I, I just right. choose. I choose not to suffer, even though there are times where I'm not really enjoying the condition. You know, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. does that make sense? You know that. Yes, it does. It, it makes me think of a. Um, well, two things. One is that makes me think, and you can tell me if this is what you mean or not. That by suffering or being a victim, it means kind of like I, I'm stuck. Like mm-hmm. something's doing this to me from the outside, and and I'm just going to have to be stuck with whatever it's. You know, with whatever it inflicts on me, I there's no way for me to have a better quality of life. Right. That is that. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, then and, and when some when I've seen people who say they're suffering from a disease, they act like they're suffering. Their demeanor, mm-hmm. their how they walk in the world, it feels like well, God, that it would it would not be a pleasant experience to be where you're at right at the moment because they're suffering in their disease. And um, I just choose joy. You know, I just, you know, God, yeah, I can, I can get why people are there, but it's not fun. So I decided not to stay there. That sounds good. You know, another thing that brings to mind for me is the recovery. Con- and again, this word can mean different things to different people, but, but in the recovery context, the the concept which is a positive one of acceptance of mm-hmm. accepting the facts and then choosing what I'm going to do with it. Is that part yeah. of what you work with? 
Absolutely. One of the, one of the ways I it's even the way I teach prayer, which is you you don't go right to the denial. You acknowledge exactly where the person is or where you're at. You know, I have this. I can't I can't run around and pretend I don't have end stage kidney disease and I don't need dialysis because right at the moment I do. So I don't pretend I have this and. I am so much more than that. And then I start working on what the more is that I am. And so that acceptance gives me the place of I'm not suffering. I'm just accepting this is what is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's powerful. So what are some of the things that you do to choose joy? How do you do it? Um, One of them is to, one of the very first one is to recognize when I'm not there. You know, it's, you, you, we tend to, you know, at least I tend to go along my life in, in sometimes almost sleepwalking automatic. And all of a sudden I'm noticing I'm irritable and, because I, had, I haven't woken up. So the first thing to do is just notice when you're not there and whatever it is you're doing that's not the joys to stop. Um, and another thing is to, uh, well, one of the things, you know, and I've been doing it for a long time, but um, to to just be grateful. So I start every morning out with gratitude lists. And I just, you know, so when I, I go to bed with gratitude, I wake up with gratitude. So it sets a consciousness in my mind that I'm always looking for the things to be grateful for. Um, those two together, that and just... Um, let things go. You know, the serenity prayer is really good for that. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I tend to rail against the things that I really can't change. And so, you <laughs> I know, do that and, occasional. Yeah, yeah so it's, that doesn't bring you any joy because you're 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 basically fight, you know having a um, you're you're Don Quixote fighting a windmill. It, it, it's not having any effect. So to go back to that. Well, if I can change it, I will. If I can't, then I'll just accept it, and then I'll go back and and be in that place of joy and serenity instead of constantly in struggle with everything. Right. You know, when you're talking, Ray, what one thing that's coming to mind too is that that you're uh, really finding the point of power within mm-hmm. yourself. That's what I'm hearing almost in everything you're saying. That yeah. you're 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 staying out of the places where, as you say, the things you can't change, the stuff that's external, and you keep coming back into center, coming back into center, and living yeah. in that joy in that place where it can be different for you. Yeah, that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, the, the the world doesn't make it real easy sometimes, <laughs> you know. Oh, how's that? <laughs> you know, the world doesn't well, make I, it real easy. So, you know, but I, I joke I joke with my congregation. I said, I, I have the title for the book I haven't written. But the title of my book is, If It Was Easy, I Would Have Already Done It. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. so it's something that you got to constantly be aware of, and you work at it, and you and you put your attention towards it, and you and you set set an intention that that's the life you want to live, and and kind of like I, I was teaching a class on discover the power within you uh, today, and it was like um, it's like Michelangelo with the with the granite, chipping away everything, or the marble, chipping away everything that's not joy, that's not 
God, and and what's left is that 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 sense of of joy and stuff. But sometimes that chipping away can see can really hurt. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's time for our break. Um, okay. Right, thank you for what you're sharing with us. Is is I love it. It's very inspiring. Okay. Yeah. So um, we're going to take a short break right now. Listeners, okay. stay with us. We're, we'll be right back. We'll have the Serenity Minute, and then I'll be back to my conversation with Reverend Ray Nelson, and he's talking about how to choose to live a life of joy and how he's doing that. So stay with us. We'll be right back on Spirit of Recovery. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. We're back on the... um here after our break, and um, if you're just joining us, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host, and our topic today is choosing to live a life of joy, and uh, my guest is Reverend Ray Nelson. Ray is a unity minister. He's a person in long-term recovery, and he's also a person who's living with a chronic health condition, and he's sharing with us how it is that he chooses to live a life of joy, to not be victimized by that health condition, but to, within it, is to choose to be happy and energized and to live his life fully. Before I get back to my conversation with my guest, I invite you to join me for a moment of meditation to uh, join me in the Serenity uh, Minute. And uh, so I invite you to relax, to let go, and to uh, join me in this constructive idea. The situations of my life cannot defeat me. The power of my higher power within me guides me to joy. The circumstances of my life cannot defeat me. The power within me, my higher power, guides me to joy. And so we take a moment now in the quiet. friends for joining me in the Serenity Minute and I trust that that was an opportunity for you to relax to let go and to find that precious power that is within you. So now I'm back to my conversation with my guest uh, Reverend Ray Nelson. We're talking about choosing to live a life of joy. So um, Ray before the break, you were talking to us about how um, when you teach a class, and you were just teaching, your, teaching a class this morning, that you're really talking about how um, we can discover that power within us, how we can find that 
that joy. So as you choose joy in your life, dealing with your situation there, with your health situation, how is that influencing the people around you, the people in your congregation or your family or your friends? Well, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great question, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go congregation, and I'm gonna tell you a story about my family. So, with my sure. congregation, I have because like a lot of unity congregations, probably about a third of my congregation is over sixty, you know, and then we got got a mixture underneath there, and uh, I have people come up to me literally every week and say. I can't believe that you do that you that, that you do what you do the way you do it and you're such an inspiration to me even if I don't mean it to be that way. Um so I I it's uh, part of my part of my own mission is to walk my talk and so that um and I don't I don't spend too much time bringing it up but it's but everyone knows. So I I what it is is I can I continue to say the circumstances of your life don't define you. You define you. You can decide to be, you know, and I teach it every week. You decide how you want to live your life. You get to decide. You get to make the choices. Um, um, you know, I choose, and I'll say, I choose not to see myself as sick or disabled. I see myself having an experience that I need to make choices on. We all have that. And they see it as a way to guide them into making choices in their own life, even if they're not experiencing a health challenge, because we all have challenges. You know, this is just this is just one of my challenges. And so I get people all the time. Sometimes it actually even makes me feel uncomfortable when somebody tells me I'm an inspiration to them. I, 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 you know, I don't mind if my words are inspiring. I, you know, sometimes I, I get a little bit uncomfortable with, you're such an inspiration to me. And I, but then again, you know, I, I, I get I get that the fact in fact, we have one musician, one musician who comes up, and he's kind of he's got like multiple health issues, and he's over seventy. And the two of us stand up on the platform together, singing songs and laughing and being joyful. And people come out going, "Wow, we could do that too!" And I'm like, "Yes, you could." <laughs> so that's kind of fun um, <laughs> with my family. Um, because we're quite a bit of distance from each other. They, they live up in Illinois. We're, we're probably five, 600 miles. Um, and a lot of my family had been in the medical field. My brother was an EMT, a fire chief, and my, my, um, uh, my sister-in-law and my niece are both nurses. And um, my, my niece's husband passed away and they told me they didn't want me to come up for the memorial service or anything because they didn't want to have to worry about me. And I just said, okay, I'm not going to resist you. I'm not going to try and argue with you. And then, then I, I ended up going on a vacation with my brother. And after like four days with him, my brother finally said, I get it. And I said, got what? He said, that we keep putting you in this box over here of a disabled guy suffering from kidney disease, and you're not even in the same county as that. You're you're running around over here not living that life, and we just didn't know that because most of the people they see you know, when, they're, when they have kidney disease or when they have any health challenges don't seem to handle it quite the same way. So... It was interesting to see them awaken to 
to see me different. Because if they can see me different, it's it's one thing if they see me, but if they see me different, then possibly it opens up the idea that they can start seeing other people differently. Because how we Mm -hmm. see people is how we'll respond to them. How we experience them is how we're going to treat them. And if you can start letting go of your preconceived, you know, if others can, if I can, start letting go of preconceived notions and start seeing the truth of who they are, that divine being, um, it changes how you interact with with them. I love that, uh, what you shared there, especially about your brother because it's that's amazing that he was able to see you and make that change. That is not easy. So yeah. that's a big deal. Yeah, it was, yeah. It, was a, it was a really big deal. And, and, and now when I have a conversation with him on the phone, you can feel a difference in the energy of how he talks to me rather than, Rather than that, that that oh my brother's a victim of kidney disease. It he just talks to me as his brother, and can speak to me about what's happening in life and how am I doing. And then if I'm actually struggling, he can actually hear the struggle rather than having me in a in a in a, in a box. And so then he can support me through how to move through that struggle if I happen to be in a struggle for some reason. Mm-hmm. And that's really important, um, as you're saying, and, and I said a little bit earlier, is that it's it's necessary and certainly good to see the facts and to deal with ourselves on the human level, just not to think that that's the end all and be all, not to not to be uh, confused that there's no power greater than that that's right. within us. Yeah. Well, if there wasn't a power greater than me, which was you know the original you know that my my original recovery which was from my addictions I, I i don't think i'd be here today you know so mm-hmm. for sure well kind of branching off of that a little bit um i your um article first of all let me ask you is you wrote a wonderful article and um how can people read that where can they find that ray um it it'll come out in april it's for a journal that's called the natural healing journal and they you can can so you would you'd have to do like a google search or some sort of a um a search for natural healing journal louisville and it should be in the april edition or or you can go to the unity of louisville facebook page and it's i posted it on there great that's probably easiest place to go to because almost everybody has facebook (laughs) right yeah so go to the unity of louisville kentucky uh, Unity Church of Unity of Louisville, Kentucky Facebook page, and it's posted on there. Great, yeah. and I should really suggest that uh, the listeners do that. It's a great article. Um, well, thank you. So I appreciate that. It is. It's really. It is. That was, my first, really, that was my first foray into trying to publish an article and trying to, you know, and there was a lot of um, a lot of that suffering went on in my writing that article because I had a lot of stories made up in my head. So no matter what we're doing, we always got work to do. That's right. So, okay, well, I'm going to diverge over there just a little bit. So okay. what were you telling yourself that you – about writing or what? How did you yeah, overcome I, that? I've never been known as a, a – I, I don't have a lot of the, the technical skills on writing. I usually um, – and this is one I wrote, and I didn't have anybody edit. And, and I've been working hard at it the, the last few years, but I, I don't have some of the um, more nuances of grammar and and, and – 
things and you know, it, it mostly it's just it's it it's like anything when you make up a story about yourself you look for all the evidence to prove that you're right and i had a story made up and then this woman asked me if i'd write an article and i said yes and then because i'm i'm i try to live in integrity if i say i'll do something i'll do it i couldn't make up a story that i couldn't do it so i just did and I got good. We got really good feedback. In fact, I got a I got a gig on a radio show with somebody I really like. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> yes, you did. Because I saw it on Facebook. That's right. Yeah. I called you up. Yeah, or instant messages you or something. Anyway, but yeah, it it is. It's really a good. So thank you for doing it. Thanks for not uh, living in that I can't story because it's it is. It's very good article um about this so one of the things that you say in the article is that um uh and sometimes we do this to ourselves in unity especially unity ministers you say i'm a unity minister i pray and meditate i teach wholeness i teach i'm quoting you here i teach wholeness and healing at every turn and yet here i was hooked up to a machine that in very real terms was saving my life what does this say about me and my ministry at times, I cried like a baby and wondered if it was really worth it to continue the journey. Maybe I thought it would be easier to just let go, but go on, I did. So tell us about that. What's that about? Well, about the- you know, I, I had these, you know, this, this, um, the only way to say it is Robert Brummett told me one time, he called it metaphysical malpractice. I confused my spirituality with the facts of life. And I said, if I'm this, then I can't possibly have that as if I, as, as if I've transcended all human problems and all, and, and just all that stuff that comes up. And then I wondered, the biggest thing was I wondered how are people seeing me now? Like actually people saw me as human, which they really liked. And, but you, you have. I had these stories made up in my head of what a minister is supposed to be, and how, how you know. And I can't be frail. I can't have the human problems, and I, you know, I, it, it was a very confusing there for a few days. And then, plus, if you have kidney disease, you got so much toxins in your system, you can't think clearly. Anyhow, you're just. It was really a confusing time. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so you're you're really living into that divine human paradox and, and really finding out where the power is and all that. Absolutely. I love that divine human paradox. I'm going to steal that. I love that. that and and mm-hmm. that's exactly what I was living in. And the funny thing is, is when I came back um, and, you know, it was a couple of weeks, I came back and my first Sunday, people gave me a standing ovation and they all the only thing i got was instead of judgment was we and i actually tearing up just thinking about it they just said we love you more mm. we just love you more than we we did before and we loved you before and i'm like wow that was like a like just a shock to to awaken me to it actually was a transformative moment that awoken awoke me to an even deeper understanding of the human connections that we have with each other and that connection I have with myself and it was it was it, it actually was awe inspiring at that moment you know because mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was going to face and then the, the interesting thing is I I do home dialysis so I have these two little ports in my arm that you can barely see and I wouldn't take my long sleeve shirts off for months 
and it's 95 degrees in Louisville. <laughs> I'm wearing a long And skirt. humid, I bet, too. Uh-huh. And humid, and I'm thinking because if people see this, they're going to have a judgment. So finally I couldn't do it anymore, so I, I took my long sleeve shirt off, and I put on a short sleeve shirt, and another slap in the face is no one even noticed. The only person who sees it is me. I'm the only one who even sees them, you know. Mm-hmm. A couple people, a couple little girls in the youth ed program came up and said, can I touch them? I don't know what those <laughs> are. Can I, you know, and, and they just wanted to touch me. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I just kept making things up. And so just another realization that I may be living joy, but I just keep making stuff up and I can just let that go and just trust and know that that people just they're not in judgment of me the only one in judgment of me is me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the ones who are in judgment of me you know that's okay i can let them be too right yeah that's really important you know what you're saying and um it's sure an important recovery tool as well an important recovery attitude is that we're so much harder on ourselves than other people are yeah. on us and mm-hmm. that just blocks us off from from that quality of life. So yep. tell us a little bit about what your daily life is. And again, I know you're, you're, you, this is in your article about because, because you do have to manage physical symptoms. And so how do you, how do you deal with that? It takes some. Um, well, one of the things that I, I learned I had to do was, and, you know, and, it, and, and we teach it with it. But it's taking it to another level of that mindfulness, which is, you know, most people, most people I know, let's just say, when they say mindful, they're just mindful of their day, of what they're doing this day. I had to become mindful of how I am literally moment from moment, because if I don't feel well, I get to stop. And I'm, I'm one of these, um, I'm, I'm, I'm a guy who has always been filled with intense amount of energy zeal and enthusiasm, power through anything. And sometimes I get to just say, I can't do that. Um, I try to get a routine going um, so it doesn't disrupt the day so much. Um, And there are just times where if I need to, I shut my office door and I sit down. I I got a nice comfy chair in my office. I sit down and I take the time I need. And everybody knows if my door is closed, don't bother me for 20 minutes or 30 minutes and I'll come back out and I'll be fine because oftentimes all I need is just a moment to let my body kind of reset. It's kind of like resetting a computer when it's not working. You just got to hit the restart button and just let it recycle through. That's kind of what I've had to do is reset myself and give myself that permission that you can't always just power through everything to just be mindful of how I'm feeling and, and what my body's telling me and, um, and that's a that's a journey in and of itself. Right. Yeah. So what's your prayer life like now? How has that changed? Well, I I I tend to meditate more. I I one of the things in uh, one of my 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 clinic nurses laugh at me because I say I've turned doing dialysis into a spiritual practice. I am tied to a machine for three hours 
there's nothing for me to do. So I usually start with some spiritual readings and some writing, and I listen to at least one meditation tape. And I you and I don't. And what I've done is I've said I this is me time. This isn't work. This isn't anything. This is just for me. So I use the time almost exclusively in spiritual practices, meditation, and prayer. Um, so I'm getting between 15 and 20 hours of extra prayer every week. Uh, mm. and, wow. Yeah, and and I'm calmer, I'm more centered, and it, it just... it. Everything and and this year especially I've I've, I've up my uh, I've up my intentionality about being really disciplined about it and um, so. Mm-hmm. And, That's and, great. And, and and I have to do and I'm 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 blessed because I have my my wife is a prayer chaplain she's um, she's actually done everything to join the ministerial program so um, and my associate minister and, and we have I have a lot of people around me who. Uh, do things like Reiki and prayer and stuff. So sometimes when I can't do it for myself, I just let them do it for me, which is mm-hmm. knowing who you can surround yourself with and how you can, how they can, how they can support you. Because we don't always have to do it alone. That's that's one of the other things I learned. I don't have to do it all alone. That there there's there's people out there supporting me everywhere. Mm-hmm. So with all that, how would you say overall, Ray, that you are different now than you were before you got this diagnosis in 2014? What's changed about you? Uh, I I, I would say I'm probably more grateful than I've ever been in my life. If anything that... I wake up every morning, and one, the very first thing I always put on my gratitude list is I woke up one more day. And because I woke up, today is a blessing, and I try to live each day in a state of gratitude in each moment. And that's not always easy, especially in Louisville rush hour traffic. But <laughs> they, they use turn signals here for like Christmas lights. They only turn them on once a year for decoration. So it can get a little dicey. But um, I think that's the biggest thing is I am just so much more grateful than, than I've ever been and um, looking for ways to express that gratitude out in service. So how are you in service? I mean, obviously in your congregation, and I know we talked. You're on some boards. So how is your service different than it? And I know service has always been important to you, but how's it different now than it was before? Well, I've gotten more. One of the things I did was uh, because I'm very eclectic in my thinking, and I, you know, and I have a lot of interests and stuff. But what was most important to me? So. Um, uh, the unity movement was very important, so I volunteered to be on that board. Um, uh, really getting back into the recovery community and sponsoring people and um, really deciding what were the things that were most important to me were um, sobriety and spiritual growth, with, and that's unity and, and AA together. And then um, being being able to, when I joined the House of Ruth, it was being able to be there for some some people who are really are 
the least of in, in, in society. They're not only homeless, but they're HIV and AIDS. They, they are really the pariah of our, of our world and to be in service to that community. Those three areas really have, um, um, I've, I've really decided to focus my attention instead of being so broad brushed to kind of stay in spiritual growth, recovery, and then helping in that community. Wow, that's wonderful. Well, our time's just about up. What parting words would you leave us with? Uh, It's all about choice. You have the power to choose to be happy. You have the power to choose circumstance. And, you know, I'm sure you preach this every Sunday, and I preach it a lot of Sundays, is um, circumstances do not control, control us. We have the power to make a choice to be happy, and that's all that, that that's all it takes is make that choice to be happy. Right. Thank you, Ray. I'm inspired by what you shared today, and I'm so glad I know you, and uh, I really appreciate you being on Spirit of Recovery today. And thank you for sharing this with us. It's very powerful. It really thank is. You. you bet. Yeah. I appreciate you it. Sure. You're welcome. So again, my guest is Ray Nelson. Uh, he's the Minister of Unity of Louisville in Louisville, Kentucky. So you can look up that website and learn more about him. And again, go on the Facebook page, the Church Unity of Louisville Facebook page, and you can read that article that Ray uh, wrote about just what we've been talking about today. So listeners, thank you for being with us today and go out there and keep making those choices to grow. And we're all, we're all in this together. So God bless and have a wonderful week. We'll be back next week on Spirit of Recovery. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD, and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. is full of voices, advertising, television, politics, colleagues, family, and friends. All are too happy to tell us how to live. In all of that noise, it's easy to miss the one voice that matters, your own soul. What would happen if you could hear that voice? Imagine the clarity, confidence, and courage that would be yours and the life you could create. Join Janet Connor, best-selling author of Writing Down Your Soul, the Lotus and the Lily, and Your Soul Wants Five Things, as she and her guests explore how to hear the call of the soul and create the soul-directed life. Live Thursday at 1 p.m. Central, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Go inside to find The world is full of voices, advertising, television, politics, colleagues, family, and friends. All are too happy to tell us how to live. In all of that noise, it's easy to miss the one voice that matters, your own soul. What would happen if you could hear that voice? Imagine the clarity, confidence, and courage that would be yours and the life you could create. 
Join Janet Connor, best-selling author of Writing Down Your Soul, The Lotus and the Lily, and Your Soul Wants Five Things, as she and her guests explore how to hear the call of the soul and create the soul-directed life. Live Thursday at 1 p.m. Central, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Go inside to find my God. If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. My name is Nadia Dela Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> 